Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. your attention to the book of first timothy chapter four we are going to be teaching our last lesson on navigate uh, in my notes where i've saved my files and things like that i i've named this navigate 3.0 because this is the third time that i've taught this series here and uh it's been five years i think since the last time i taught it and it's an important series. I think that we need to teach every now and then, remind ourselves. while it is geared towards youth, but it is also for every one of us. And I praise God for our young folks. Don't we have some good young people here at MPC? Praise God. I'm thankful for the group that's in the back right now, having church. Amen. Kids that are worshiping the Lord. And, and we appreciate that very much. First Timothy chapter four. And verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I just want to say at the outset, being young is no excuse for not being an example. Being young is no excuse for not being an example. Being middle age is no excuse for not being an example. Being older is no excuse. Everybody should be an example. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about accelerating responsibility. Accelerating responsibility. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this evening. I pray, God, that we can help Lord, not just our youth, but each and every one that is here tonight, that we become more responsible. God, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to do tonight in this house. Let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Appreciate you. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Lesson five, accelerating responsibility in our Navigate series. One of the most intense battlegrounds for everybody today is in the region of responsibility and expectations. If you remember our first lesson, we talked about the battleground and, and offered a lot of statistics about the issues with young people today uh, and the battle that they're facing. But the reason, I think that one of the reasons that there's such a low-level expectations placed on teens today is because of this word responsibility responsibility as a whole the world tells teenagers and young folks aim low aim low so the adults in their life won't be disappointed you know don't expect much out of your teenagers because they're not going to give you much that's what the world says. But when expectations are raised and responsibility levels are lifted, something incredible happens. 
teens rise. Teens will rise to those levels when they understand the blessing and, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't have to be baffled by their behavior when it comes to teens because teens, y'all, uh, you teens, y'all are different. We love you, but you're different. And dealing with you is a, a wonderful opportunity, but a challenge. But when the world says your expectations are low, then teens don't have to worry about doing drugs because we expect them to do drugs. As, as a society, we expect them to engage in uh, sexual activity. We expect them to get uh, involved with uh, wild parties and heavy drinking. And so we come into this, this, this moment right now where culture has, left, has lowered the level of expectations for teens. So words like responsibility, accountability, expectations determine factors. They are the determined factor when it comes to behavior. If teens are expect, expected to be mature, obedient, and productive, chances are they will be. If that is positively reinforced with parents who are responsible, have a high level of expectation and accountability, then they too will follow that pattern and rise to the level. That's why Paul said, let no man despise your youth. You have it in you to excel. You have it in you to excel. The enemy today, though, that we're facing is irresponsibility. Irresponsibility. Dr. Miles Monroe wrote a powerful book that I highly recommend if you'd like to read uh, it's called The Burden of Freedom. The Burden of Freedom, he wrote these words. He said, quote, You must learn that freedom is not the absence of law, work, or labor, but the embracing of responsibility. We must awaken to the reality that true freedom imposes more laws than slavery, demands more work than slavery, demands more self-control and discipline than slavery. The foundation of true freedom is management, self-management, and management of our own environment. This is the first and ultimate purpose of God for mankind. If in slavery you do not manage, you are managed. Therefore, freedom is a return to responsibility and stewardship. By slavery, you can put that into many different things, things that get a hold of people, things that bring bondage, things that, that we give into. We think, well, if I have true freedom, then I can do whatever I want. No, but freedom is demanded, demands responsibility. Winston Churchill stated, the price of greatness is responsibility. The price of greatness is responsibility. Today's culture is plagued by the notion that there can be freedom without responsibility. You can have freedom without responsibility. I want to say to you tonight that irresponsibility is a dangerous and destructive concept or action. Irresponsibility is defined, it's interesting, I, this is right out of the dictionary, uh, irresponsibility is defined as, quote, not answerable to a higher power. 
not answerable to a higher power, are lacking a sense of accountability, unable to respond to conscience. Irresponsibility also means foolish, fickled, flighty, flippant, rash, unstable, undependable, unrestrained, unreasonable, thoughtless, senseless, irrational, reckless, and careless. Irresponsibility will transfer blame to someone else for a person's behavior. It's not me, it's them. If I wasn't raised in this family, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If I wasn't raised in this culture, then I can blame somebody else for it, you know. A guy uh, got arrested for murder, and he said it's because of where I lived. Our culture is sick on this irresponsibility behavior. People don't want to take responsibility for their actions. They don't want to take responsibility for the decisions, their conditions, their choices, or their attitudes, but they want to shift blame to somebody else. That's irresponsibility. We blame our past for our future. I would be this if it wasn't for my past. I'm limited in my future because of my past. That's irresponsibility. We blame our environment for our attitude. If I wasn't raised in this, then I wouldn't have this attitude. Irresponsibility. We blame our parents for our habits. Y'all okay? Doing all right? Okay, let's go a little deeper. We blame our children for social ills of our society. It's them kids. We raised them. Somebody raised them. Somebody didn't raise them. Amen. But we blame children for social problems. We blame our government for unemployment. I don't know where anywhere in the Bible you can find that the government is responsible for your employment. Your responsibility for employment is what God has given you and what God has gifted you with, amen, that you can go and earn a living. It's in, the seed is in you. The potential is in you, amen. I believe the Lord wants us to progress with responsibility. In irresponsibility, we blame the school for our ignorance. Well, I went to Medora. Therefore, I get a pass I graduated from Medora, so I get a pass. Mercy. Irresponsibility. We blame the teachers for our children's bad behavior. All right. Society blames the cigarette company for cancer. Let's get a little closer home. We blame McDonald's for being fat. (laughs) Well, let's get back to spiritual things. We blame the pastor for our lukewarm spirit. We blame the worship team for our lack of worship. Mm -hmm. We blame our wives for our depression. Or our anger. The poor blames the rich 
The rich blame the poor. The white man blames the black man. The black man blames the white man. The brown man blames the white man. The white man blames the brown man. The Democrats would blame the Republicans, and the Republicans blame the Democrats. It's just simply the, the inbreeding of our culture to not take responsibility. The gun, the gun is the reason that this guy did what he did and killed 10 people. It's not his own evil within his own soul. That, you know, if we have to talk about that, then we got to address evil. And if there's evil, then we got to address good, and we got to address God, but we can't do that. Do you understand that it's a spiritual dimension, not just a a, a position on on guns well i'm preaching like bishop right now i wish i'd get some amens is it all right bishop okay good the criminal blames society for his own behavior our world is consumed with the notion that everybody owes them something irresponsibility 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 has done more to damage freedom in our world than any act of terrorism. Let me say that again. Irresponsibility, and this is my opinion, this is not from any survey, this is just my observation and thoughts and feeling, but I believe irresponsibility has done more to damage freedom in the world than any act of terrorism. Some people ignore the responsibility of finances and stewardship and so they don't budget their finances they go out and buy a $500 pair of shoes while their electric bill is being uh, while their electric is being turned off then they wonder god why aren't you answering my prayer to have my electric bill turned back on irresponsibility irresponsibility the irresponsible get three months behind on their mortgage and face foreclosure while they have a new bass boat they just bought sitting in their garage. Irresponsibility. You know, don't go try to cast the devil out because you got your car repossessed. Devil come out of that, that car. I need my car back. Devil, you get out of that. And the devil's standing somewhere in the corner looking at you saying, I didn't do that. It's because you didn't manage your money and pay your bill. If you had paid your bill, you may not. And please, I understand, unless you begin to, to say I'm being unkind to people who have horrible things that happen in their life and they lose things, I get that. But the vast majority of people today are having these kinds of problems for the one reason, irresponsibility irresponsibility amen and then we, we you know we, we try to cast the devil out of the car and then we wonder why god isn't blessing us amen it wasn't the devil that took your car it may have been god i'll tell you why here toward the end of our lesson today it's amazing that we want to we want to shift the blame to satan for our irresponsible behavior it's the devil's fault isn't that what eve did Eve said, it was the serpent. Adam said, it was the woman. Now, who would you think had more of a realistic reason for explaining that blame away? Eve had no business messing with the serpent. And yes, Eve messed up, but it was Eve that was deceived. Oh, Adam went in willfully. Blame, shift the blame, move the blame. 
And I believe that is, that is the, at the heart of why the teen culture today is doesn't want to expect, accept responsibility because they're witch, witnessing a culture that just decides that everybody else owes them something. Everybody else should be paying for their bills, their responsibility, amen, and taking care of them when there ought to be a rise and a surge that says, I want to take control of, of my life by being a good steward, by being a good manager, by taking care care of my business. Amen. I may not be in, in, in a situation where like everybody is just shopped like a bull, charged everything, and then they wonder why they have to barely get by. Amen. Be a good steward. Be a good manager. Understand that. And that is responsibility. I want to lay a foundation that may not have been very pretty picture of a culture, but I want to lay a foundation because I'm going to move in talking to responsibility for teens. You have heard of this book before, but let me remind you. Alex and Brett Harris, at the time they wrote the book, were 19-year-old brothers, twin brothers. They authored the book, Do Hard Things. How many of you have read it? All right. Do Hard Things. Do Hard Things. It's an amazing book. It's a book that takes a tough look at the issues facing teens today. Here's, here's a quote. Today we live in a culture that promotes comfort, not challenges. Everything is about finding ways to escape hardship, avoid pain, and dodge duty. In the past, young people were expected to make significant contributions to society. Today our culture expects very little from teens. Not much more than staying in school and doing a few chores. A sad consequence of such low expectation is that life-changing lessons go unlearned, they say. The teen years are not a vacation from responsibility. I like that. I like that line. And again, quote, they are training, they, they are the training ground of future leaders who dare to be responsible now. Unquote. Amen. What what is it today that is that is a teen's primary responsibility? Can I get some help today? What is teen's primary responsibility today? I'll throw one out so you know where I'm going. Make your bed. Maybe. Somebody else. What's a, what's what is a, a responsibility that that teens have today? Pardon. Say that again. I couldn't get out of bed. Woo! That's a good responsibility. Pick up the clothes. Feed the dog. Anybody here got a responsibility that's a teenager that's got to feed the animals? Anybody? Don't have an animal to feed? Okay. Mow the yard. There you go. Be able to take a phone message. That's back when we had landlines. Do you see how things change? Clean your room. But you got to have mom help. Take out the trash. Water the plants. Bring in the firewood. Life is tough. 
when you're a teen. It, it really is. It really is. I love our teens. Great. The, the, we, we've said this before, but let me say it again. The first time that the word teenager ever occurred in, in society that we know of, that we have a record of, is 1941. 1941 was the first time the word teenager came into an understanding. It was found in the Reader's Digest issue, 1941. So the, the word teenager has been around for less than 100 years, right? Prior to the early 20th century, people were either known as children or adults. You were a child or you were an adult. Family and work were the primary occupation of the group we now call teenagers, in fact, in 1900, only one out of 10 American young people between 14 and 17 years old attended high school. One historian writes about that ear focusing on Europe when he said, around 1800, young people of both sexes could reckon on being considered adults as soon as the outward signs of puberty made their appearance. Girls attained marriageable age at the age of 15. Boys could join the Prussian army as officer cadets at the age of 15. Among the upper class, entry to universities or to a profession was possible at the age of 15 or 16. The school uh, uh, leaving age and consequently the end of childhood was raised during the 19th century to 14. So society said at the age of 14, you stopped being a child and you became adult. Today, that's scary, Brother Matt. If, if, can you imagine that? Could you imagine that process today? <clears throat> Let me share with you some stories in history. This is from the book, Do Hard Things. That tell the story about, about George that was born in northern Virginia in 1732 to a middle-class uh, family. When he was 11 years old, he lost his father. Even though his peers never considered him very bright, he applied himself to his studies and mastered geometry, trigonometry, and surveying, thinking algebra and calculus by the time he was 16. At 17 years old, George had the chance to put his studies to use at his first job. He became the official surveyor of Culpeper, Culpeper County, Virginia. That's not a boy's job, and it certainly wasn't office work. For the next three years, George endured hardship of frontier life as he measured and recorded previously unmapped territories. His measuring tools were heavy logs and change. George was a man at 17. When you begin to look at him by age 22, George had become a prominent lieutenant colonel. By the age 23, he was commander-in-chief of the entire Virginia militia. After 20 years, George Washington became the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War and subsequently became the first president of the United States. 
where at the age of 17, he's traipsing through the woods with heavy logs and, and, and using the, what he applied himself to become a productive member in his world and his society. His dad had died when he was young, but yet he applied himself. Let me tell you about David who was born in 1801 near the city of Knoxville where his father served in the state militia. At 10 years old, David began a career at sea, serving as a Navy cadet on the warship uh, Essexus. At 11, he saw his first battle. At the age 12, David was given command of a ship that had been captured in battle and was dispatched with the crew to take the vessel and its men back to the United States. At the age of 12. Couldn't probably see over the wheel. I mean, that, that's a picture that comes to my mind. David's full name was David Frigate, the U.S. Navy's very first admiral and a hero, a hero during the Civil War. His courage in the face of heavy enemy fire in the Battle of Mobile Bay won him the last lasting fame, but it was far from his first act of bravery. He had been uh, preparing for that moment ever since a child at the age of 12 when he commanded his own sh his first ship at the age of 12. <clears throat> you may have heard of somebody by the name of Clara Barton. Clara Barton is the one who began the American Red Cross that we see plastered everywhere today who at the age of 14 began the American Red Cross. I could tell more stories, but it's incredible. You look at scripture and you find young men like David that went out as a young teenager, probably around the age of 15, and fought the giant and killed it. It's time to raise the expectations, young people, that you are meant for greater things than just sitting with your phone and watching Netflix and just going through your day. You are meant to, amen, would to God that there would be somebody that says, instead of watching a bunch of stuff, I want to produce some godly stuff. I want to do, I want to make my own things. I want to write my own books. I want to tell my own story. Amen. You say, who am I? You are God's chosen person. Amen. In his book, The Rise and Fall of the American Teenager, Thomas Hine provides a devastating expose of American teenage culture. His principal thesis is that most of the traits that we have come to expect from teenagers, identity crisis, rebellion, high-risk behavior, and self-defined rites of passage such as premarital sex and gang membership may not be inevitable and would be avoidable if we would treat teenagers not as a special subgroup but as novice adults. You know what? How many of us when we were teens can remember wanting to be treated like an adult? I want to be treated like an adult. I remember something that my dad and mom said to me. You want to be treated like an adult? Oh, come on. Act like it. Act like it. Want to be, uh, 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 do my own thing? 
live my own way, be out of control because society, the experts today, says it's really normal for children who are teens, go sow your wild oats, go do your kind of stuff. That's what now college has become. College has become just a place that it's not just teens anymore. It is now moving into the college and career. You know, there's a whole subculture today about college kids that can't make it, and so they got to come back home and live with mom and dad. I know that there are, 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 are sometimes uh, exceptions to the rule, but I want to tell you today, if we'll, we'll learn the value of responsibility when we're a teen, we're going to realize the, the appetite for doing something and being something. So what does the Bible say about adolescents and teenagers as we've come to know them? What does the Bible say about teenagers and adolescents? Absolutely nothing. The Bible doesn't ever use the word teenager. It's nowhere to be found. It doesn't use the word adolescence. Let me tell you what Paul did say. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. No teenager in the middle of that. It's just simply I'm coming from a child to adult. In the word of God, you're either a child or an adult. Notice that Paul didn't say when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I, I thought as a child, but when I became a teenager, I looked like an adult, I wanted to act like an adult, but I wanted to have my own way. There are per, three primary life stages in Scripture. Three primary. In the life of Jesus Christ, we find that he had a stage from birth to 12 years, Luke 2, 41 through 52. That's the first stage, from birth to 12 years. 12 until Jesus' baptism around the age of 30 was another segment. The period of Jesus' public ministry culminating in his death, resurrection, and ascension speaks of the third part of it. These three phases picture for us childhood, pre-adulthood, ages 1 through 12, emerging adulthood, ages 12 through 30, and senior adulthood, ages 30 and up. I'll tell you something, young folks, you want to be treated like an adult, then you will begin to be an emerging adult. I'm going to emerge in adulthood. Amen. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 13. I write unto you fathers, everybody say fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, everybody say young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, everybody say little children, because you have known the Father. Here's the three stages, little children, young men, and fathers. That's what the Bible tells us about, little children, young men, and fathers. According, again, uh, uh, to another book that I read, an article I read called Adolescence in America, it, 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 it says this, the idea of adolescence as an intermediary period of life starting at puberty is the product of modern times. It developed in the latter half of the 19th century and the early 20th century to prolong the years of childhood. 
Thus, the term adolescence refers to teen years during which post-puberty teenagers treated as children even though they are really adults in the original sense of the word. I'm, I, I want you, you kids to hear me today. I'm telling you, you are young adults. That's what the Bible tells you. But the world says you're to be irresponsible. You're to not know where your phone is. You're not to know where your keys of your car are. You don't have to know whether you put that in the dirty clothes or you didn't or you didn't know. I'm just a teenager. Duh. That's not what the Bible calls you. The Bible calls you a young man, a young woman that is coming into the place of being an adult. I, I know right now some of you, you, you teenagers are salivating. You want to go tell your mom and dad, see, pastor said I was an adult. Then you've got to be responsible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. As long as he was a child, he lived in that particular environment. But when he became an adult, not a teenager in between, but an adult, he stepped up and began to take responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. Parents, expect the best from your teenagers. If we allow them to act like irresponsible children, they will become irresponsible adults. On the other hand, if we expect them to act responsible like the young adults that God has intended them to be as people did for thousands of years, they will. The expectation of today's culture is that teens will be sexually active, baloney. They pass out condoms because they believe that. They put down the low expectations because they believe that. If we expect teens to be lazy, they will be lazy. If we expect them to not be lazy and they understand that there are certain things that come with responsibility, it's called freedom, that if we are responsible, then freedom comes. I have an analogy, and my kids probably have heard this more than once and probably got tired of hearing it. But there is an analogy of the rope that, that I use. You had a, a rope that had markings on it and, and that the more responsible they are, the more rope I could lay out. A little bit more. A little bit more. The more responsible. But if there is an act of irresponsibility, I don't pull it back by one strand at a time, but rather all back. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Remember that? Amen. Then all of a sudden that rope goes back out one thing at a time, little at a time, as they begin to build that responsibility. I don't know about you. I want my, my children to become responsible adults. I don't want to have to pay their bills. I thank God that I don't. I don't want to have to be there, you know, in every situation. I want to be there and help. Man, mm. I better read a verse of Scripture, not metal. 
1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. This is, this is an interesting verse because I like what the NIV says of it. Brothers, stop thinking like a child. In regard to evil, be infants. Regard to evil, be innocent, be infants, be children. But in your thinking, be adults. Be adults. Somebody say, I want to be an adult. I want to be an adult, responsible. You know, it's, I, I love hearing kids and ask them a question. What are you going to be when you grow up? That may change from day to day, especially as they are younger. But what do you want to be when you grow up? But rarely do we ask the question, and perhaps teens need to hear this question. What do you want to accomplish while you're a teen? What do you want to do now? Well, I just want to sit and <laughs> jump on Doritos and shop Amazon. Mm. Teenagers, how you spend your time now is preparing you for how you will be in your future, what you will become in your future. I want to give you five keys Five keys to accelerating responsibility. Again, this is from the Do Hard Things book. I've kind of augmented it to, to adapt to some of my own. But uh, number one, get out of your comfort zone. When I heard that some of y'all were doing Bible studies, I'm thinking, that's awesome because you're getting out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. Amen. Look at Romans 16 and 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. What is he saying? I want you to be wise unto what is good and innocent to what is evil. There are things that you should not be learning right now and things that you should be learning. Learn a new skill. Learn a new skill. Expand, or you, got, you, you have a skill that say you, you, you sing, you play an instrument, then improve that, make it better. Learn another language. See, <laughs> praise the Lord. You got that, brother? Okay, good. <clears throat> Be willing to meet new people, try new things. There's plenty of new stuff out there. My granddaughter touched a worm Saturday. I'm telling you, my granddaughter, if you knew my granddaughter as well as I think I do, that was a huge milestone. <laughs> Woo, praise God. <clears throat> read a book. Read a book. Not only read a book, read a book that's a level of your present knowledge. Do something. Get out of your comfort zone. You mean that's number one. Number two, go beyond what is expected or required by your parents. Go beyond what is expected or required by your parents. Society says, I'm going to do the minimum. The Bible says, you want to become a young adult? Be excellent. Go beyond. Do more. They ask you to carry out the trash? Don't just do that. Do something else as well. Go beyond just being what is required of you. Amen. Make an, uh, uh, an excellent. You got a science project? Don't wait until the last 
you know, day before. Man. Make it excellent. When you have to mow your grass, just go over and say to the neighbor, I'm going to mow your grass for nothing. Hmm. Novel ideas go beyond what is expected. Mow your neighbor's grass for free. Don't wait to be asked, volunteered. Ask, ask, ask. Go to some of the ministry leaders in our church. Go to the usher. Go to Brother, Brother uh, Joe and say, hey, I want to help out with the usher staff. I want to do something that I can do. Go to Sister Gill. Go to some of these other leaders and say, I want to be a part of it. I'm so thankful that we have kids. Wasn't Sunday great to look up here and see these kids up here singing and worshiping and praising God? Get out. Do something extra. Number three, try something that is too big to accomplish alone. Do something that requires you working with others. Communicate with a missionary. Come up with creative creative ideas for your youth group to win souls. Feed the hungry. Amen. Uh, Do something like make a short movie and, and use it for the glory of God, working with others. Number four, do things that don't earn immediate payoff. Do things that don't earn immediate payoff. Obey your parents the first time. I thought I might get an amen with that. (laughs) Obey your parents willingly even when you disagree. Yes, pastor, that's good. Be faithful in spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study, so forth and so on. Establish good habits. Drive the speed limit even when you're late. In the Lord, good. This is in my notes. I wasn't picking on anybody. It's just in my notes. Okay? That's a good thing for all the adults in the house to remember as well. Establish good habits. Start a good exercise program. That's a good thing for all of us. Amen. Number five, challenge the cultural norm. Rebel against rebellion. Isn't that a novel idea? Rebel against the cultural flow of of low expectations. Dress modestly. Say no to things that are outside of the perimeter of God's will like premarital, premarital sex. Refuse to watch filthy, violent, or wicked movies. Cut off all R-rated movies. Then carefully screen things from G to PG-13. If that is allowable in your home, if your parents say no PG-13, then don't watch it. Don't slip off and watch it. Stand firm against popular issues like abortion. Stand firm. Amen. Stand firm for for issues that have become such touchy-feely issues like abortion or homosexuality or or uh, gender-related dysphoria. Be kind. Be considerate. But stand firm. Stand firm. Listen to sacred music rather than secular music. Amen. Be careful with even gospel music. It may sound like it, but it's nothing but garbage. Live in an obvious Christian life. This will affect how you are seen. It will affect who your friends are. They know where you go to church. They know what you're, you're living. Amen. Uh, but, 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 but do it anyway. It will be a blessing to you. It will be a blessing to you. <clears throat> Paul 
Paul told his young son in the gospel, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. What are God's expectations for us today? They're to set an example for believers every age, including young people. Including young people to be an example. Live your life with high expectation and greater responsibility and you will see that you're made for great things. You are made for something awesome. You are made to go after them with a passion and with a purpose and say, here, I can do this. You know, Jesus set this principle in place in Matthew 25 and 21 when he told the story about the talent, when he said, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. God looks for responsibility. In life, at school, at church, at home, he looks for responsibility. And we can always say, I want more. I want to have more. You know, I, I believe sometimes we're saying to the Lord, oh God, I want more money. And the Lord said, you can't handle it. And I'd be doing you a disservice to give it to you. you got to be faithful in the little things if you want to be rewarded with greater things. Your life is meant to be lived with great, great accomplishments. So, accelerate responsibility, not disobedience. Accelerate working with the family standards, not against the family standards. Watch and see what God will do for you. And you too will hear the words, let no man despise thy youth. Stand with me, please. Let no man despise thy youth. I heard of a story years ago my dad told of, and I, I cannot remember the, the European country, but it was a country that when it was overtaken by, by communism, of course, they began to kill the Christians. They began to destroy. And just a day or so before, a few days before, I don't know the timetable, but there was a church having service, and a 12-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy, stood up and gave a prophecy and began to prophesy that Russia or horde of the communists are coming. They will be here in so many days. We need to get ready and leave. And an entire group of people left and, and escaped the harm that was to come to them because a child, a young boy, was used by God. How about our church? How about our church? It was a 17-year-old, a 17-year-old that took a large part of the revival that happened here. Amen. You are valuable you're worth it. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. You young people, hear me. Hear me. If you're watching online tonight, you listen to pastor. You're not able to be here. I want to tell you today that you're worth it. You're worth it. Live higher than the expectation of the world. The world wants you to fail. The world wants you to fail. Hollywood doesn't care one bit whether it leads you down a path of destruction. It wants you to fail. Stand up and say, you know what? I'm raising my level of expectation tonight. 
I'm going to move irresponsibility out of my life and embrace responsibility. Amen. Let's lift up our hands, our voices to the Lord right now. Oh, God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for young people, faithful God. They have learned things, oh, God. They can learn things in, in, in school about being responsible, responsible in the clubs they're a part of, responsible about the positive things that, that they can be involved with. Uh, Lord, they can learn responsibility like that. Uh, but the greatest test of responsibility, Lord, is in their life for you. Lord, and it's, it's in their home life. It's in their real days, oh, God, when they feel like the enemy is against them and, and give up, give in, just throw the towel in the ring and say, I'm done. Amen. But if, if they could just see, Lord, help them see tonight. Their future is bright. Help them see tonight, Lord, that there is a great opportunity and irresponsibility wants to shove them back and destroy them. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. We are destined to live a higher expectation. Amen. We're not to be the, the, the trampled underfoot, but we are to be the ones that is trampling. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Oh,